Coming up today on the Locked On Hornets podcast, yes, the Charlotte Hornets lose to the Chicago Bulls, but can we count it as a moral victory? We kind of needed one after Terry Rozier called us out for having losing in our DNA. The front court, really specifically the forwards, they provided a lot of winning DNA despite the loss here. Steve Clifford also had some interesting comments on those comments from Terry Rozier. I'm going to break it all down today on Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We are free and available anywhere you get your podcast, and that includes YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code, all lowercase, LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. I'm Walker Mail. You can listen to me on the radio here in Charlotte, Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. No Doug today. I'm flying solo. You should still read his work on his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. There you can also find information on how you can text him. Can't text me. I don't have my number available for that kind of stuff, which, you know, I don't regret. But Doug, that's what partially makes him go fruit salad, yummy, yummy. Partially makes him go crazy because he doesn't escape the craziness that is Hornets world. And so continue to be the Wiggles theme in his head by singing fruit salad and text him your Hornets thoughts. You can get that subtext information on his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. I got to tell you, not going crazy after this one, though. It's weird. I saw our guy Rod Morrow tweet this out, and I agree with him. Glad the Hornets got a moral victory tonight. Yes, I understand how weird this is, considering Terry Rozier just called the Hornets out for having a losing culture, and here I am feeling good about a loss. Yeah, perhaps that actually does speak to the Hornets culture or the very losing DNA that is in my body as we speak. I I embrace a loss, therefore, I probably do have losing in my DNA. I totally get it. We needed a good performance, though. I'm just telling you how I see it. They pretty desperately, the Hornets pretty desperately, needed, nay, not a good performance, a respectable performance. And I think they gave us that tonight in the 117-110 loss to the Chicago Bulls. Because they go to halftime, and they're actually up once they go to the locker room by a bucket. Third quarter collapse doesn't happen. We've seen that quite a bit. The Hornets might compete in the first half, just as we saw against the New York Knicks. And then in the third quarter, doesn't matter if it's on the road, doesn't matter if it's at home, they're going to get beat down by 20. I said to, you know, uh, my girlfriend I was watching with said, yeah, we're about to see a 13-4 run for the opposition. But no, that didn't happen. And so you actually have a pretty close game going into the fourth quarter. And that's when they scored their most points. It wasn't a collapse. It was still tight enough it's just Kobe White kept hitting shot after shot after shot he's been on a tear this season 35 points for Kobe White one point off of tying his career high at 36 he got that in 2021 against the Sacramento Kings and got fouled at the very end of this game just ran into a Hornets player to try to go to the foul line after they had called off the dogs misses the first free throw 
to tie that career high. So he ends up with 35, but still a great performance from him. Yeah, I Hornets needed this one, man. I know it's a loss. I sound crazy. You can hear me wrestling in my mind how crazy that is. But after Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball were in the news for all the wrong reasons as it pertains to the Hornets, right? You just needed something to go out there and go right for this team. And no, they didn't get the win. But I was texting with Doug, and I agree with him. I think tonight you saw the Hornets. Everybody cared. Everybody showed up. Everybody put forth the effort and actually executed pretty well. I'll take 110 points from this team. And then defensively, I think for the most part, they did all they could until they got to the fourth quarter and they just didn't stop ball well enough. That's what Steve Clifford told you after this game. If you get beat off of the first dribble, then you don't stand any chance. Kobe White is lightning quick. He's also really strong. And that's a bad matchup for anybody trying to guard at the point of attack. You don't have Dennis Smith Jr. anymore. Now, he did praise Frank Nilakina for coming into this game and playing well. He said, his words, not me, he said played well despite only playing 10 minutes and going 0-4 from the field. But that's Steve Clifford if we've ever heard him, right? He thinks somebody played well because of their defensive effort, even if they go 0-4. He said he didn't check out the plus-minus, but they were plus-9. It was the highest plus-minus, to be fair to him. And so defensively, that's something that you wish you had a little bit more consistently on this squad. But it's going to be tough to stop Kobe White. And he even gave credit to DeMar DeRozan. I actually think, yeah, surprise, PJ was on DeMar quite a bit tonight. And DeMar only hit four field goals out of the ten attempts that he had. He got fouled and got to the line eight times, made six of those free throw attempts. But honestly, it really wasn't DeMar DeRozan that beat you like that. It was Kobe White and Vucevic, who each took 22 field goal attempts. And Vucevic made 10 of them. Kobe White made 12 of them, including four of 10 from three-point range. So this was a Kobe game. They just didn't have anybody that could keep Kobe White in front. And then because of that, he gets to the paint, at least on the second dribble. And then Nick Richards got in foul trouble. Steve Clifford also said that Nick Richards getting in that foul trouble, picking up five with a lot of the fourth quarter to go, he said that killed him. And when you can't protect the rim at all, Nick Richards only playing 25 minutes, despite being the only center you trust. I mean, we've you know talked enough about Nathan Mensa, God bless him. There's just nothing he can do. And there's just no way you're going to be able to defend a center as skilled as Vucevic. So when Richards goes out, then I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to do it. We don't have anybody else. <laughs> so Mark Williams is out. You don't have a center rotation anyway. If Nick Richards is out, then it's going to be tough to stop Nikola Vucevic. I, I just think the fact that's, that Terry Rozier said that this team has losing DNA, that it's different, Steve Clifford addressed those comments as well, and, and we can get to that on the other side. I think that you needed to show up tonight, and the forwards did that also. We'll talk about that in a moment. And and I we'll, we'll discuss some of the other reasons, but at least they executed well enough and they did put forth the effort where honestly this team is so bad at 10 wins they got out talented Kobe White is really coming into his own remember as a former first round pick a lot of Hornets fans wanted here Alex Caruso 
one of the better defenders in the NBA, Brandon Miller, you know, took him to the free throw line. That was fun. And they have a, a good enough team that's 23 and 26. They're right there at 500. And they had only lost by seven. They were there in the fourth quarter and eventually just too much Kobe White. We can move on. Coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast, I do want to get to the forwards that all played well. Miles Bridges. How about him going for, I believe, six three-pointers? P.J. Washington played well, I think, offensively, defensively. And Brandon Miller continues to impress. We'll get to the forwards and their games. And then I want to get to more Steve Clifford comments about what he would expect from this team if they were indeed healthy, like where they would be in the standings right now. This episode, real quickly is brought to you by prize picks prize picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in north america it's the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports it's just you against the numbers and instead of battling thousands of other players including pros and sharks you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and you can watch the winnings roll in prize picks is the most fun you could have winning up to 25 times your money this basketball season and all you have to do is select two or more players pick more or less than on their projected stats and then place your entry it's that easy prize picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second that player's rebooted no sweat PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Can't get mad at the front court tonight. Can't get mad at them at all. How about the way that the forwards played against Chicago? And really, you see all of them go for at least 20 points. Brandon Miller, another game in the 20s. 21 points for Brandon Miller. 8 of 21 from the field. So not the greatest shooting night, but still looked really impressive. 3 of 10 from distance, and so one more. And you like what he was able to do from distance there. Miles Bridges, speaking of shooting from beyond the arc, he was 6 of 13. I believe that's the most three-pointers that he hit so far this season, tied with it. And he was 11 of 20 from the field. 15 rebounds, that's good for Miles. And then 30 bo- and thirty points. So 30 and 15, what more can you add? Five assists, too. Like, Miles, Miles was really good. He kept him in this game. I thought specifically for Miles, it's something that he's always been very good at. The right hand, despite being a lefty, I thought you really saw his right hand on display. Maybe even Eric Collins made a comment about it. But even like when you pull the spin move, there's a lot of momentum that allows you to possibly lose that basketball. But the fact that he's able to control it so well with his offhand, he was impressive. So Miles Bridges, Brandon Miller, and you know I got to talk about my boy PJ. Doug's not here to refute it. You guys can on the YouTube comment section, but that's fine. I don't care. I'm going to talk about how well PJ played. 26 points for PJ. 10 of 17 from the field, 3 of 9 from three-point range. And here's what I like from PJ. I thought he showed a lot of fight. Brandon showed a lot of fight, too. I don't think Miles was just in his bag. I I think Miles was playing well. He was getting to his spots. He was also attacking. I think PJ, even if he shot nine three-pointers, the fact that he had eight inside the two-point arc and finished, what was it? I guess seven 
yeah, seven of the eight field goal attempts, if my math might be wrong. But he finished well inside two-point range. And he even had that big bucket at the end of the third quarter, I believe, to tie it where he was banking it in and showed some fire. If you often criticize this team for not having enough fire and you point to some of the players maybe laughing on the bench like LaMelo, like Book Knight, like Bryce McGowan's or, you know, you go back to the Terry Rozier comments or you think defensively them allowing 140 points just means it's zero effort. I, I totally get some of that stuff. I do think that you've seen a lot of fight, particularly from Brandon Miller. I think PJ, too, is like showing some of that emotion. I love seeing that from him. Um, I, I thought Cody Martin made a few good plays in this one. Remember, he's got a lot of ball handling duties with Brandon Miller in the backcourt. Cody had six assists. Not a good shooting night for him, but I thought six assists was pretty good. And they just didn't turn the ball over. I mean, in the first half, they had two turnovers. They had seven in the second half, which you'd like to see that come down a little bit. I know PJ had one of them when there was a miscommunication. They were down 10. PJ Washington and Miles, it looks like there's going to be a dribble handoff or you're just setting Miles up at the top of the key for him to run the offense. And Miles continues to go down the sideline. PJ thinks he's coming over. And then so he just is flipping the ball up. It goes right out of bounds. So that was just a miscommunication, being careless with the basketball. But for the most part, if you're going to get out-rebounded, which you weren't badly, you only got out-rebounded by four. But if you are still going to get out-rebounded, then you have to take care of the basketball. And for the most part, they did that tonight. The Bulls only had nine turnovers when it was all said and done, too. And so the fact that you evened that up, then that's how they're able to come away with this victory. But I really was impressed with what you saw from the forwards. And we can even focus on Brandon Miller, who is by far the biggest bright spot. We can spend some time on him, man. I think the highlight that's going to go viral, I'm already seeing it on my timeline it's Brandon grabbing the basketball and everybody's just spreading out and watching him on offense there's not any cutting there's not any set that they're running it's just straight up five out Brandon Miller out there beyond the three-point line and it's him against Alex Caruso and Alex Caruso is like what a top five perimeter defender in the league at the guard position at least so Caruso on Brandon Miller. Yeah, Brandon has the size on him, but sometimes it's hard to get leverage on those little guys. I can tell you, at least playing, you know, Y ball, like it's very different from the NBA. Perhaps there's like a league or two between playing at the Y and playing in the NBA. I get that. But even just playing in the post, one of the things I don't think people realize is when you don't have leverage, like I hated playing against the football players, the linebackers that were like 6'2". So if I'm 6'6", six, six, even 6'1", you're a bowling ball. You get under my hip, you're not going to be soft about it, and then you just drive me out of the paint. I'm like, damn, I'm trying to get down there, and I can't get any position on you despite being the bigger guy. That can happen too, especially out there on the perimeter with Caruso, stronger guy, can get under the hips of Brandon Miller and not let Brandon get to his spot, but oh wait, Brandon did. And so you see him get to the foul line, and he had to battle for it too. He was giving him the body a little bit, got to the foul line and created enough space to hit a step back. And that's what everybody was rolling with because we recognize the moment because we recognize, oh, that's Alex Caruso. He's doing that too on the foul line. And look, man, I'm telling you, when I, when I was worried about Brandon as the number two overall pick, some of the reason as to why I was worried is 
dribbling through traffic in the paint specifically because I thought his handles were good like out there on the perimeter with not a lot of pressure in his face and that he could even you know he could get by that way he could even thrive that way but once you got into the paint thought he might lose the basketball there creating the separation was a worry getting by his guy going to the rim and then finishing all of those were concerns and they're still there to be honest with you like those are present with him as a basketball player but okay if you're just going to make every outside shot you ever take again just gonna make all of them three-point line that's cool i hit those mid-range i'm just gonna shoot over the top of you then all right you know, we we can figure out that finishing at the rim stuff later. Go ahead and hit the fadeaways against some of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. I'm good. Go ahead and do that. And that's exactly what he did against Chicago. And we've been seeing that from him despite being tired. And I know he said he doesn't believe in the rookie wall. I get it. I believe him that he doesn't believe in that. We've seen him be fatigued and yet he continues to produce. Look, I, you're not going to hear any complaints out of Brandon Miller from me. Like I, I do think defensively, he was one of the guys Steve Clifford was talking about not being able to stop ball. But as I mentioned a lot in the first segment, Kobe White's really tough to stay in front of. Yeah, it, Brandon is tasked out here with staying in front of Jalen Brunson. You guys remember that Knicks possession where it was Jalen Brunson actually lost the ball in one of those second half possessions. Brandon is in front of him and just, just had to stay there a little too long Jalen didn't give it up and then eventually got by him. But, like, what do you want him to do? He stayed in front of him for seven seconds. And then, you know, the eighth, the ninth, as it's starting to dwindle down on the shot clock, Jalen gets by him and Jalen Brunson's an all-star. And so he connects. But, yeah, man, what Brandon's been doing, he's been impressive. I mean, so impressive. First team all-rookie, for sure, impressive. Despite the rookie ladder not putting him up there. Despite... National NBA podcast talking about Asar Thompson a little more for a while, like Sasser <laughs> at the beginning. I, no disrespect to those guys. It's just you, you have Wimby, you have Chet, and then you have Brandon, number three. I'm not dropping him past the top five. You can't do that. And the way he's balling right now, I don't know why you would want to do that. So with Brandon having the emergence that he does, right? On top of, you know, PJ playing well here, Miles playing well here, and then LaMelo, if Gordon could just play and come back at all, Mark Williams, you would love to see this team healthy and then see what they can do there, right? Well, that's exactly what Steve Clifford wondered, and we'll get to those comments coming up in the last segment. Coming up on Locked On Hornets, Steve Clifford talked about where they might finish if they were all healthy and ready to go. And we can go to some Steve Clifford comments about Terry Rozier's uh, passing remarks on the Hornets having the losing in their DNA. We can get to some more of that in the last segment of Locked On Hornets. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. We appreciate FanDuel, as always, for their support. And so you can experience the Super Bowl by going to FanDuel as well. In fact, happy Super Bowl to all of those that celebrate coming from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and then placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with the W or two, maybe even three. Not if you're betting the buzz. You know, just get that out, get, get out of here. Bet the buzz, you're not going to get any Ws. But if you bet on anything else, 
then maybe you can pick up multiple W's. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more than that. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Okay, so here we are giving all the love to the forwards, the way that they were able to perform tonight. And you can also see them hopefully continuing like whatever momentum they were able to build going into the next game. Their next game is against Oklahoma City on the road in a couple of days. I believe that game will be taking place on Friday. Oklahoma City is one of the best teams in the league. And I I think so many people when they want to get out of the mud and they want to make that transition as a small market franchise from never making the postseason to, okay, now we are the fun team, you know, like the Hornets used to be like a couple years ago when they were the fun team that gets to the play-in tournament, maybe gets a little rowdy, and then you get to the playoffs. Well, okay, see, it's like a Christmas story. They skipped the the sinister triple dare and went right for the throat with the triple dog dare. OKC just straight up skipped the, oh, we're a fun play-in tournament team. Like, oh, okay, we're a little rowdy. Oh, we might compete with the playoff series. No, we're going all the way up to number one, number two. Like, that's perfect case scenario because you have an MVP candidate. You hit on Chet Holmgren at the top of the draft. You hit on Jalen Williams in the middle of the draft. And now we'll see what they do on the trade market with a bajillion different picks to see if they can go get a veteran. You would love for the Hornets to be able to do that. But they've never been able to. So, okay, if they were healthy, then where would they finish? They're they're not going to be OKC, right? Well, Steve Clifford does still think that they would be a pretty good basketball team, especially in the Eastern Conference. And if you hear what Steve Clifford had to say, this was before the game going in to Chicago. And Steve said, if we had everybody and played pretty good, which is kind of funny. So he said, if we had everybody and played pretty good, to me, We could have been a fifth, the sixth place team, a fifth or sixth place team, but we're not that now. And you coach a team like this differently than you coach a team like with Kimba and those guys. And I've got to be able to do that to help them more too. And so he talked about how it's not really the franchise that is responsible. Now, Doug is somewhere twitching like this, as I say that, as Clifford defends the franchise, breaking down how it unfolded from his point of view. And you can find more of this information on Rod Boone's article, a part of the Charlotte Observer. But Steve Clifford said, I think the thing you have to get is just, why is this happening? I think we made the playoffs two or, the, or two of the first three years, our best team we had here. We were sixth in the Eastern Conference. We won like 47, 48 games. We lost to Miami in seven games, but we had seven free agents and we only had enough money to bring two of them back. You lose Big Al, you lose Courtney Lee, you lose Jeremy Lin, Troy Daniels. He said somebody else he couldn't remember. It might have been Trevion Graham, but he said somebody else all in the same year. And the next year, our starters were like eighth and plus minus, but we couldn't bring all those guys back. And then we never got depth again. He just doesn't think it's, a money issue this time it's pretty clearly a health issue and so he's not telling you that it's an excuse but he says look in these two years these injuries have crushed us 
and yet I've got to find a way that we can play better. That's my responsibility is that we play better. And I think most fans like it when their coach takes accountability. But he's right. He's saying it's not an excuse. we got to find a way to play better. But if you're injured like this, then, yeah, it's going to do a number on you. And you're not going to be able to reach that fifth or sixth place ceiling. That That's what I'm interested in. You can comment in the YouTube comment section right here, part of the community page. You can tweet at us if you want to, whatever. But I'm interested. Like, is Steve Clifford right in this? If they're healthy, like, and, and I don't remember, it can't be all the way at the other end of the spectrum, right? Like, if we're going to do this the correct way, it can't just be, yeah, if LaMelo played every game, if Mark played every game, if Gordon played every game. No, if you had everybody with normal health luck, then is this a fifth or sixth place team? Like, I, I can't lie to you. If I evaluate it, I don't think they're that high because, hell, fifth? Like fifth means you're in there by a couple of spots, and that's tough. I, you still have a good Eastern Conference. I mean, after all, Steve Clifford and the Charlotte Hornets have told you a million different times that this Eastern Conference is not your daddy's Eastern Conference. That's just not how it is. You've got some really good teams where the Heat are a seven seed. We just saw them in the play-in tournament, and they messed around and got to the NBA Finals. The eighth seed is over 500. Chicago, the team you just lost to, but also competed against, they're 23 and 26. The Hawks are 20 and 27. And so I think that's where you start to roll with the Magic Bulls and Hawks. That'll put you in that 8 10 seed. Like if you're fifth or sixth, then you're talking about Pacers territory, 27 and 21, and Philadelphia is fifth. Philadelphia. And I know they've had some losses where Joel Embiid hadn't been playing. Just a little too rich for my blood to say that, but I get his point. At least you would get to the play-in with that nucleus, and I think that's about right. And I think that's when we start to criticize Mitch Kupchak and this team for building a squad that pretty much at normal health luck and their ceiling, it's making a case for the sixth seed, which it's tough. You know, Maybe that's okay, but pretty much on average, if this season – normal health luck played out at like 100 times how many times would they get to that sixth or fifth I'd probably say like you know 15 I don't not not many I think most of the time they would finish anywhere in that seven eight nine ten range going to that play-in tournament and if you get there and you win great give me a playoff series that would be a huge win for this franchise but they just haven't been able to stay healthy And then I'm going to allow this to be cyclical, bring me back to the first point leading this podcast, because this team hadn't been able to stay healthy, because one of the big storylines is LaMelo's laughing on the bench. He doesn't take it seriously in his street clothes. James Booknight, Bryce McGowan's, nobody's taking it seriously. These young bloods, not playing out here. Like, because that's a real storyline of Hornets Twitter making everybody go crazy, because Terry Rozier is now saying, hey, My DNA ain't losing. I'm here with the Heat Culture jersey on. That's y'all, man. I've been I've been out of that franchise for a week and a half. I'm different now. And because of all of that, that's what brings me to the beginning of the podcast and telling you, I'm going to take this moral victory. It, the bar is low. It's on the floor. I'm, it's on the floor. Just step over it for me, and I'll be happy. I get it. I know what I'm asking for and what I'm not asking for, but I'm telling you, I just don't want the Hornets to get destroyed. And that didn't happen. We saw effort. We saw some level of defense. 
the defense that wasn't played was because of limitations and not because they didn't care. 117-110. They lose to the Chicago Bulls, and we'll see if we can make some noise with the Charlotte Hornets against the Oklahoma City Thunder a couple of days from now when they play on the road on Friday. That'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. Thanks for joining me, riding this thing out solo. Make sure you still go check Doug out, though, on the Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. And you can listen to me on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. on Wes and Walker. Have a great day. We'll be back with you to finish out the week tomorrow come Friday morning. 